0: Rundown podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, go visit RoyalsReview.com. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can do that too. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and question and answers. If you respond to the Q&A, we will read your response on air in the following episode. Before I bring in Jeremy and our guest tonight, here are the responses from last episode's question and answer. We asked you, the listeners, what is more important, individual second half stats or the team's second half record? Royal Rupert commented, Record is meaningless. It's time to see who will be on the next winning team. But JBF went the other way, saying that the second half record mattered more. And then longtime responder Ginger620 said, individual stats all the way if sherman and jj are honest about this being an evaluation year then individual player stats should show what we should address in the off season we always appreciate your answers please run on over to spotify to answer the question on today's episode now time for my illustrious co-host jeremy greco jeremy how are we doing this sunday evening uh
1: well I guess I'm ready to break up with Cole Reagans, probably. Probably. So, so I'm I'm a little disappointed. I was I was really looking forward to a long and fruitful relationship there. But, uh, you know, sometimes things just don't work out.
0: As long as Chris Bubich will take you back. I, I think we're OK. Well,
1: I, I talked to Chris and Chris was Chris was willing to share me. So it was it was going to be OK.
0: OK, that is very good to hear. Um, Matt, listen, I don't know. Well, I didn't even introduce you. We're joined tonight by a recurring guest and one B-man at Royals Review. He is Matthew Lamar. Matt, are you in an open relationship with any Royals pitcher as well, or is that just Jeremy over here?
2: I think that's just Jeremy.
0: Okay, gotcha. I just need to clarify that. Yeah. I didn't know if, like, this was a normal thing for the Royals Review staff. Like, is this – do we all just pick a guy uh, and <laughs> go for it or – but no, it's just Jeremy. That's uh that that is good yeah. to hear. How you doing tonight, Matt?
2: Uh I'm doing all right. I'm a little bummed you didn't call me illustrious like Jeremy, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no,
0: no. I have to break out the thesaurus for that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I'm I'm always so smart. I gotta I can't think of big words off the top of my head when little word do trick, right? That's true. All right. Well, hey, thank you both for joining tonight and let's go ahead and get started. So as usual, we're going to run down the transactions from our or since our last episode, excuse me. And there's quite a few that we do need to talk about. Um, a lot of shuffling even on the Royals off Sunday day, which I think I saw somewhere. It was the first scheduled like off Sunday in the team's history or something like that, which is very interesting to see. But um, I, I don't know who pulled that from Stathead. power to you for doing that. But first for the transactions from August 12th, we had a couple of pitchers moving around. Jonathan Heasley got sent back to Omaha and Max Castillo is taking his spot in the Royals bullpen. Jeremy, I'm going to start off with you on this because Heasley is having his worst MLB season yet. Are you out on Heasley as being an MLB contributor? Well, well I'm certainly not
1: in on yeah. <laughs> Heasley being an MLB contributor. He um, I'm looking at his stat line here. Uh, in his latest MLB stint stint, uh, he pitched 15 innings and gave up 13 runs, 12 earned. Yeah. Uh, that ain't gonna fly. Of course. Nine of those Rovers last four appearances. Now he was looking pretty good through the month of July. And then he had a bad outing on July 26th and everything just kind of snowballed from there. So, you know, he was looking really good when he first got called up. Um, It felt like the Royals had figured something out there. So I would, since he's still not going to be arbitration eligible next year, I don't believe he's still under the rookie deal. Um, go ahead and keep him around one more year. Uh, see if you can finish fixing him and and give him one more shot uh, just to see if you can you can capture
0: that lightning in a bottle again or if really this is just who he is now. Yeah, but I I want to get your opinion on that because you got to think about it. Heasley is a guy who started who made 21 starts last year for the Royals, which that's a that's a pretty good chunk and granted he was below average in the stat line but we saw the stuff um he looked really really good at points and I was expecting him to be a contributing rotational member this season but that has been everything but for Heasley in 2023 do you think that Heasley is um broken or just does he need just is this just an off season you know what I mean
2: Okay, so put it this way: uh, last year, um, 140 players with um, 100 more innings who pitched 100 more innings. Um, The one of my favorite go-to's nowadays is uh, K minus BB percentage, so strikeout minus walk percentage. Pretty sure I've talked about it before. Jonathan Heasley was third worst. He was 138th at 140 pitchers last year in strikeout minus walk rate. Um, He's just not. He is not a good starting pitcher he's not a big league caliber starting pitcher um i you know there are plenty of pitchers who have made the jump from their rotation to you know relieving i think that maybe it's you know worth giving him an off season to be um uh, to you know focus on that full time uh because the royals still have control over him he's still cheap you know might as well tinker with him. You've got, you know, control over him. Um, but if he was, you know, as our, in his arbitration years, he'd be an easy non tender candidate. I mean, he's he's like like I said, third worst. 138th out of hundred and forty pitchers who had uh, hundred more innings last year and strikeout minus walk, rate, Which means he's not very good at getting swings and whiffs and he's walking too many people. He's just he's not very good, um, is is ultimately it. Um <laughs> And that's really what it comes down to. It now I do wonder. Um, I think Royals Farm Report tweeted something along the lines of like insinuating that maybe he's like tipping his pitches um, recently. Because I remember when he when he came up and did his first like stint as a reliever, like he really looked kind of like a different different reliever. So you know, I, I think there's a non-zero chance that he can be a contributing reliever next year. But um, there, he's still got some stuff to work out. Um, and I'm not particularly, um, you know. Positive for, uh, yeah, not. I don't think it's very likely, but you know, might as well keep him around. You know, every team needs pitching depth.
1: Just for the record, he did double his K minus BB percentage, uh, out of the bullpen this year. So I guess that would be a positive sign, wouldn't it? Still not a good K minus BB at 11%.
2: Yeah. I mean, you'd expect anybody going to the reliever uh, to be a reliever to have, you know, better strikeout numbers. I think that's, you know, You would expect it. You can't like an 11%, um, you know, as a a reliever is probably not going to cut it. Okay.
0: Okay. Definitely something to keep an eye on. I am curious how he's going to be used in Omaha if he's, because he was doing kind of both. He was a part of the rotation, but then also making bullpen appearances. So let's see what he's got there. Um, Good to see more from Max Castillo, a part of the Whit Merrifield trade from last season. Um, See if he is actually going to stick in the Major League bullpen this go around. But I feel like the transactions from Sunday are a lot more notable um, because there was this impending. Hey, Drew Waters, when he comes back from the bereavement list, what is going to be the move in the outfield? And the Royals finally pulled the trigger and they optioned Edward Olivares back to AAA, um it it seemed like that was the dreaded move when when he was first making his major league appearances but now um this felt like a long time coming guys i do i do want to talk about all of ours because it turns out like he he wasn't terrible at the plate in august um 250 average he's not striking out a ton he's actually drawn some walks but it's just not It's just not the numbers that you want to see from a guy who's probably going to serve as a designated hitter and only as a designated hitter. Um, Matthew, I would like to start off with you on this because there is a there's a big group of outfield talent on the Storm Chasers roster already, and the Royals keep adding to that. How how are we thinking that Olivares fits into that roster in the long term Royals picture?
2: He doesn't. <laughs> Is it, he doesn't fit in? Um, <laughs> and I I I do commend the Royals for playing him as often as they have this year, um, which they kind of didn't do in previous years. Um, you know, Olivares was a guy that you know you got him. You know, when he was twenty four, uh, um, you know to see you know how how we can do you know, um, and then you. They just yanked him around, which I don't think helped. Uh, but what we're seeing right now is that, you know, all of ours is the worst outfielder in baseball on defense, which is not an exaggeration. Like if you look at the defensive numbers, he's the worst defensive battler, uh, outfielder in baseball. Um, so that's not good, uh, obviously. <laughs> and I, he's been he's been okay at the plate. First career, he's got a 90 WRC plus. There's been, been about 10% worse than, League average last year he was ten percent above league average. You know, absolutely worth giving him some, giving him a shot to see if he can, you know, build on last year, become you know a regularly above average league bat. Because if you can do that, you can, you know, be a DH in the league. When you look at DH stats, like you'd think that all oh, DH, you know, hitters are really, really awesome. Well, that's that's not really, you know, true. Teams in general kind of struggle to have that that DH um, spot give good production. So if you're all of ours and you can give above average production, um, you know, from a, you know, batting standpoint um, relative to league average in the DH spot, you know, you've got yourself a role, but you know, he is just it, putting him in the outfield is like putting like Billy Butler in the outfield. Like truly it's that bad um, except all of ours doesn't have, you know, Billy Butler's hitting. And I realized that this is uh, a eight, or nine or almost 10 year old reference at this point, but you know um, that's, I think the, the illustration to make is that like, he, he looks like he could be a good outfielder. He is absolutely not. And I don't think that he hits enough to make it work and he's 27, right? So you are coming up onto the end of his, you know, you're you're getting towards his arbitration years. I'm not sure if he's in arbitration now or if he's in arbitration soon, but, you know, he's 27. I, you know, this is who he is. Um, you want to roll the dice on someone else. That's, that's fine. That's good. You know, Bubba Thompson, I'm not really high on, um, but you got to see, you know, we know what Edward Olivar says. We don't necessarily know what some of these other, you know, AAA outfielders are.
1: Yeah. Um, just I, the guy, he needed the chance. He really should have, I think, had that chance last year would have been the time to give him the chance. Um, and, and, and even this year, I feel like they didn't give him as much of a chance as they could have, but he hasn't earned it either. He has a what, an 87 WRC plus on the year. It's not going to cut it when you're the worst defensive outfielder in baseball. Um, and, and that's saying something because we've watched MJ Melendez
0: out there too. So <laughs>
2: hey, oh.
0: dang, <laughs> dang uh, MJ Melendez catching strays.
1: It's uh, I'm fascinated that he he was the one that got demoted. It it, it feels kind of like a a step forward for the front office to be able to say, well, this has been our guy this year and we're going to demote him instead of the recently promoted Nelson Velasquez or the recently promoted Samad Taylor, which are the two people everyone kind of assumed were the choices uh, for when Drew Waters came back. So I feel like this is like, yeah, of the three, he's probably the one with the least value. So go ahead and demote him. And yet he is arbitration eligible next year. He's he's going to be a free agent. Um, yeah. they, there's just, there's no justification. Well, he shouldn't be a free agent. I've said he's <laughs> going to be a free agent I, at least twice. I think about Ryan O'Hearn before they finally got <sighs> cut ties with him. Uh, so I think, I think he will be. I just he has no value he can't hit he doesn't have the exit velocity numbers of Ryan O'Hearn and and he uh he can't field either so just there's nothing there and he like 27 entering arbitration he's he's probably on his way to Japan Korea China Mexican League somewhere somewhere not in U.S. baseball probably
0: yeah I don't I don't think that's that far of a reach Jeremy I mean looking at you know, even with the batting stuff, he's still posting a, a negative war on the year. He's a negative war guy in his career, which I, I don't think I was quite aware of. And he did get plenty of chances this year. He he had a career high eighty five games in the twenty twenty three season already, um far exceeding twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. And I don't I'm not expecting to see Olivares back in Kansas City this year. Um You know, depending on what they want to do with him contractually this offseason, you know, maybe he's a guy who gets a spring training invite, see if he can fight his way back on the roster. But I don't um, I'm not going to be betting money on that. Matthew, you brought up the other interesting waiver wire claim that the Royals made on Sunday, picking up outfielder Bubba Thompson from the Texas Rangers. Uh, bubba was the rangers he was a first round pick in 2017 i believe it was um very very speedy guy just was not getting a whole lot done at the major league level the royals picked him up added him added him to the 40-man roster and he is in omaha right now so not with the major league club nelson Velazquez is safe in kansas city matthew i want to start off with with you on this like why are just curious, why are you not so high on Bubba Thompson? It seems like he's got a good, uh, a good pedigree.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, so Bubba Thompson and Nelson Velasquez—they're they're kind of similar in, in, in different ways. Um, but basically, Bubba Thompson did pretty well up until he hit Triple A, in which case he slowed down. And in the big leagues, he he has slowed down. So at that Triple A big league level, he from his offensive you know perspective, he's you know slowed down quite a bit. Um, and i think that i I like getting bubba thompson um the thing that bad teams can do that good teams cannot do is um just roll the dice on players right like the dodgers don't have you know space to try out bubba thompson and see if he's good the the rangers at this point don't have you know space to try out bubba thompson and you know, see if he's good. But he's 25. He's, you know, two years younger than Edward Olivares. He's got yeah. the defensive chops for it. He's got the speed for it. You know, um, still a lot of bases in the minors. Um, Stole 18 bases in 55 games uh, last year, which is, you know, a lot. He's he's a Royals-y kind of player. Yeah. Um, I'm not super high on him, but he's absolutely the kind of guy that the Royals should be getting. Like, you know, top top-notch pedigree, super athletic, you know, not – that old 25 is, is not that old, even in baseball years. Um, that's still pretty young. Um, it's got some big league experience, you know, why not try him out? Um, I think that I would much rather have Bubba Thompson or Nelson Velasquez than Edward Olivares, um, at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly agree. So there's, there's a few new outfield faces and I think we, I kind of feel good about them right now. You know, it's all, They are all guys who I can see making a case for themselves right now to play into the Royals' future between Drew Waters, MJ Melendez, but like with when Olivares was up here, I was like, okay, this guy's probably gonna be gone after this season. Like he's gonna be done. All these guys right now have a chance and the tools possibly to succeed for the Royals in the future. Jeremy, I want to I want to get your thoughts on the Royals picking up. A, a former top prospect on the waiver wire and just taking the chance
1: well it doesn't cost them any money It doesn't cost them anything um even if it did cost them money i would i wouldn't have a problem with it it doesn't cost them a prospect they had a spot open on the 40-man roster go ahead and give him a look see what happens um he's obviously got speed he's got defense which are things they value um and and he's not just stealing bases he doesn't get caught either which is pretty impressive uh matt noted that he stole 18 bases in 55 games last year he had a positive war 0.4 FWAR in those 55 games based primarily on his base running abilities because it wasn't because he could hit um yeah. and and the defense wasn't necessarily there either so yeah sure uh worst case scenario he's a terrence gore type maybe you can trade him to somebody uh at the deadline next year for a lottery ticket i don't know He's not hurting anything. You can cut him in the
0: offseason. And if you need the roster spot, you haven't lost anything. That's true. That's true. And he does. He's still on his first option to the minor leagues right now, which is kind of surprising. So he still has some, uh, what's it called? Roster flexibility, if you will. I, I am curious, Matt, you know, you're bringing out old. Billy Butler references and stuff like that. What does Bubba Thompson have to do to be the best Bubba in Kansas City Royals history? Because we, we got a high bar with Bubba Starling, man. Like that is a, ooh, way up there.
2: Um he's probably well, hmm. In terms of uh wins above replacement, let me let me look at look oh all <laughs> Bubba Starling. I think he's probably <laughs> better than Bubba Starling was. Um you know, but I think Bubba Starling <laughs> Is a is a good like warning um, comparison. Um, you know, Bubba Thompson could just be, you know, Bubba Starling. Uh, Bubba Starling <laughs> with negative one point WAR in a ninety one career games. That's um, crazy. Bubba Thompson with zero point two WAR in ninety two career games. So one point two WAR difference between the two already. Um, you know, I think I think <laughs> independent of the Royals taking Bubba Starling that high up. Um, you know, these, these players are out there and, um, acquirable. And one of the things that the Royals have not done traditionally is they haven't made it a point to go out and acquire these types of players, right? They haven't made it a point to say, Oh, Hey, former first round pick, he's 25. Let's try it out. What the Royals in the past have done is just say, Hey, we've got, you know, our guy, we're going to keep with him," or, you know you just know that Dayton Moore would not have released Hunter Dozier at this point. Hunter Dozier would still be on the team most likely with, with Dayton Moore. Um, so I think that the Royals are, if, you know, moved much, much, much closer to a raise or guardian style of just trying, trying players out. Um, you know, that rather than getting veterans um, and then just, you know, churning your roster if it's not making sense. Um, and these guys really, when you're thinking about it, these guys, you know, Bubba Thompson, St- uh, Bubba Thompson, <laughs> Bubba Thompson uh, excuse me, not <laughs> Bubba Starling. Um, and Nelson Velasquez, like nobody's really expecting these guys to be like core players on the team, right? What we are it's trying to do— <laughs>
1: Okay. I'm, I'm all me. in on Nelson Velasquez. I mean, Man, come on.
2: Yeah, he's had, he's had a great start. But, um, you know, the the Royals are trying to get pieces, right? So, like, let's say they have a fourth outfielder and there's, like, a legit fourth outfielder, you know. Um, I wrote something the other, uh, I think maybe this week, last week, where I talked about, I took a look at the 2022 playoff teams and I looked at their position players and I looked to see just, like, how many like one-and-a-half war players they had, two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half, etc. Um, and it's a little bit of a misnomer. I think people think that, like, oh, man, these good teams have a bunch of stars. And, like, yeah, the, the teams do have, like, a foreign – pretty much all of the teams had at least one four-and-a-half war player, but the average there is, like, one or two. The average playoff team last year had seven different players who um, were worth one-and-a-half Wins above replacement or more. Seven different guys, um, and the four, of, four or five of those teams had eight, nine or ten guys at one and a half uh, WAR or more. And this is just limited hitters. So what the Royals are trying to do, and I think this is smart, is you know they are trying to make sure that they don't have to rely on negative value players they're relying on positive value value players trying to get those guys who can be the sixth seventh eighth player that's worth one and a half wins that season and that goes really a long way towards not just getting to the playoffs but getting away from losing 100 110 games
0: yeah that's a that's a great point at least uh go for high ceiling rather than the uh (laughs) than this uh basement floor approach that the royals have had in recent years Jeremy, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot as as always. But what were we saying?
1: I was just going to say, speaking of you know being more like the Rays, I can think of a couple guys that they tried out, Roman Quinn uh, and, and and Brett. Uh, gosh, I Phillips forgot his last name, huh? Phillips, Phillips. Yeah, Brett Phillips. I don't don't know why I keep blanking on his last name. Um, though, I mean, they, those are guys that they've picked up and tried out, and and then you know it didn't work out. They let him move on. But um, so it, it's definitely a Rays like move. Um, there's evidence of that
0: yeah that's true that's true I do uh, let Jeremy I, I put on my tinfoil hat plenty on this podcast so I'm putting it on right here I want to say that Thompson is at least the fifth former Texas Rangers player that the Royals have acquired this season alone um, how Good. much stock are we putting into the Dayton Moore connection is he uh, is he doing some insider trading with his former team I,
1: you know, they did, he did the same thing when he was here and he went back to his former team a lot with, uh, with the Braves. Now, if he could send us some really good players, kind of like it felt like the Braves were getting, that would be okay. I wouldn't complain about that. Uh, Cole Reagan's, uh, his last start <laughs> notwithstanding, I think is still looks like a really good get. Um, I'm not sold on anybody else they've gotten so far, but uh, anything could happen.
0: That's true. That's true. Hey, guys, we're going we are going to take a quick ad break coming up on the other side of this. We're going to be talking about Nelson Velasquez, who has been absolutely on fire for the Royals. Plus, we are going to be talking about why we love baseball so much. Stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Jacob Millham here with Jeremy Greco and Matthew Lamar. So, Jeremy, you, you brought up Nelson Velasquez. I think a lot of folks are really high on him. Um, and if if you don't recognize the name, that is that is A-OK. He's only played three games for the Royals so far, but the Royals acquired him in the Jose Quas trade, which Quas is doing doing pretty good up there in Chicago. But I don't exactly. Oof, yeesh. That is really tough for him. But I want to say Velasquez is doing uh doing pretty good himself. He had two home runs, three RBIs in the St. Louis series, um, one home run in each one of his uh, games. So listen, he's on a really good clip right now. But Jeremy, I want to, I I'm really I'm really high on him, man. It's he had really good production for the Cubs. The only reason, and we talked about this earlier on, these. These teams that are trying to compete and contend right now, they can't be taking chances on these young players giving them extended looks. That's what happened with Velasquez in Chicago, it seemed like. So I I am curious, do you uh do you think that he could blossom into something here in Kansas City, or is you know, this just a good uh good little stretch?
1: Well, he's 24 years old. Um, he made the big leagues last year at 23. That's usually a pretty good start. Uh, for a guy, you know, if you can make it to the big leagues at twenty-three, you must have something going your way. Um, he's got power, he's got a little bit of speed, and uh, he even played some center field for the Cubs. Now, obviously Kaufman Stadium center field is different from Wrigley field center field. Uh, but he uh, you know, he had a in 16 games, which is a very small sample size, he had a 177 WRC plus for the Cubs this year. It's kind of hard to understand, honestly, why they let him go. It seems like uh, you know, they must have really liked Quas uh, in order to make that deal because uh, I, he's not he's not nothing's guaranteed. But it is, as we've kind of established, a very good start. Uh, five home runs in 16 games this year, six home runs in 77 last year. I just there there's nothing that jumps out at me. And I'm like, oh, this is a big problem. Um, maybe the strikeout rate. Uh, Could be the the projected strikeout rate is kind of high, but he's not actually doing that right now. He's at twenty seven point five, which I think is workable for a guy who can hit for as much power as he's hitting for right now. Of course, if strikeout rates go up, the home runs come down, then you have an issue. Again, it's all about, you know, we don't know anything about Nelson Velasquez yet. We just know that there is some potential, some promise there. And that is. I it's it's good. It's important. They traded Jose Quas, who was, you know, kind of getting, getting, I think he was about to turn 30. Um, and, and so moving on from him to a guy who's 24, you can't fault that I I did a ranking of all of the Royals deadline deals. And I think I said, that was my favorite deal. If it wasn't the favorite, it was my second favorite.
2: Yeah. I like Nelson Velasquez, um, more than, more than I like Bubba Thompson in part because he is a little bit younger. And he also reminds me a lot of Drew Waters, actually, um, in that, um, you know, Drew Waters and Nelson Velasquez, you know, both high strikeout guys with, you know, good power. Um, both of them, if you look at their minor league numbers, um, you know, Especially Nelson Velasquez. Nelson Velasquez did very well all the way up through Double A. In his first stint at Double A, when he was uh, 22, um, he had a 156 WRC plus and, and an ISO of 290. Okay. In his second stint at Double A um, next year, uh, which was last year, um, he had a 175 WRC plus and a 413 isolated slugging percentage. Um, he was just clobbering the ball and then just kind of like Drew Waters um that he hit triple a and his triple a line um 84 wrc plus 95 wrc plus he just sort of you know encountered some issues there and even in the big leagues last year with the cubs 87 wrc plus so you know there are lots of players who you know Tap out at a certain level. Some of those players, it's high A. Some of those players, it's double A. Some of those players, it's triple A and the big leagues, and they can just kill it in the you know in the lower minors and just you know stop when they get towards triple A and the big leagues because it's really hard pitching is really hard. But um, I think that the guys who you know slug their way, they hit their all the way through triple A and then start to encounter some issues in triple A. Those guys are um you know those guys are are the players that i think with a couple of tweaks you can probably bring them up to you know some decent production it's the guys that you know when they start struggling early are on like in a ball and high a ball if those guys are struggling you know it's really hard to make a couple of tweaks and then you know send them on all the way through to the big leagues but if they're if they're killing it all the way through you know double a then encountering some issues you know we've seen that with you know Drew Waters a little bit that happened with the Braves the Braves you know decided to you know trade him um and the Royals uh, picked him up and he's doing better with the Royals so i think that this is exactly the kind of player that the Royals sh- the should be targeting and the trade that they should be making right um with with guys who are younger with guys who you know maybe plateaued at some point in the upper ish minors um see if the royals can you know tweak make some tweaks and fix fix it you know and that the royals got anything from Jose Quas I think was kind of amazing so if Nelson Velasquez can be you know good at all um I think that's that's you know that's great also I I like that he's right-handed um if you look at sort of the royals bats uh you know um Bobby Witts obviously right-handed but um MJ's left-handed Nick Prada's left-handed. Massey's left-handed. Uh, Vinny Pascantino's left-handed. Um, you know, it's it's good to sort of mix some of that right-handed uh, power in there. Um, Kyle Isbell's left-handed, right? The Royals really have a lot of left-handed hitters. Um, so seeing if they can get someone who's not Bobby and not Perez um, from the right-hand side hit some power, I think is is, is good balance.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point that I, I did not even think of, Matt. So guys, that's a... Uh, We, we didn't have any Royals baseball today, like we previously talked about. So that got me thinking a little bit, like what moment or what aspect of baseball keeps us so hooked because there's, I, you know, I played football all through high school. It was something that, you know, was very much ingrained in me. Baseball wasn't really, um, so I, I really wanted to sit down with you guys and I wanted to get your, I wanted to hear your stories a little bit. Jeremy, do, do you mind starting us off? Like what moment or what element of baseball keeps you so entranced with this game?
1: So, um, gosh, there's a good point to probably half a dozen. Um, so I will try to limit myself a little bit here, but uh I mean, I got started in kind of a weird way. Um, I've always been a huge gamer. Um, and I've wrote about this on on Royals Review before, but it's been it's been a few years, so it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people don't remember it. Um, I've always been a huge gamer and uh, you know, back back in the dark ages of my childhood, there was no online shopping. So I would go with my parents whenever they would go to the to the software store, to the computer store, and I would look at all the video games. And uh, one time I went there and there was this video game on the shelf, Hardball Five. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers that or if that's just a bit it's a bit old for everyone. Al Michaels was the announcer on that game. I don't know if that tells you anything about how old that game is. Uh, And I saw that on the shelf and I was just like, I have to play this game. I have to. I'd never really been interested in baseball. I tried to kind of get into it because my dad was into baseball and my aunt was into baseball, but I, I just really wasn't in there and then i saw this hardball five and i i convinced somehow my mom to get it for me and i i got it and i started playing it and i i fell in love with craig paquette tom goodwin um these royals players that that weren't even on the roster by the time i actually started watching games um and it really just kind of set me up from there and and there's there's all kinds of story steps from there where watching games with my dad um getting into fantasy baseball was a really big thing for me. Um Johnny Damon in my first game I went to see, uh, I had a family member who lived in Jackson County and had access to free tickets somehow got me tickets behind home plate and saw, first game I went to Johnny Damon hit a lead off home run against the the Tigers. My sister thought cars were exploding in the parking lot. Um just just all kinds of uh cuz of cuz of the fireworks, the, not because of the home run cuz of the fireworks. Um, it was, uh, and I, I, I remember spring training one year watching Albert Pujols had a home run over a scoreboard and being like, this guy's going to be special yeah. and really using that to my advantage in, uh, in, in, uh, fantasy baseball. Cause nobody, nobody else knew he was coming. Um, and then, you know, the, the playoff run stuff. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just, it all started with hardball five and
0: Al Michaels and craig paquette dang those uh th- those are some deep cuts there jeremy I, I ain't gonna lie man oh man hey matthew before i before i start rambling on too much what is let's see i i pulled up the, the source. you know you were getting on me about illustrious <laughs> earlier on so let me pull out some <laughs> of these words what aspects of baseball may enchant bewitch beguile or captivate you
2: uh so I'm I'm going to point to sort of two two things. One is a, a longer, uh longer sort of period of time um and one is just like one night. So the first thing the thing that really catapulted me from being like oh yeah baseball baseball's cool, you know, I grew up playing uh T-ball. Um you know, I played baseball through middle school before, you know, band took over my life. Um you know, I I played church softball even after that, you know, in high school. Um and um, it wasn't really until 2009, which was my senior year of high school in which, you know, Zach Greinke, you know, started the year just as absolutely electric and something entirely otherworldly, um, that, you know, Royals fans had, do ha- they haven't seen a lot of that in the past, you know, 30, 30, years, almost, you know, 40 years, like not a whole lot of that individual excellence, either every once in a while, they'll get a player who wins, you know, um, you know makes a case of a rookie of the year or something. But, you know, Kansas City, you know, baseball hadn't seen anything like that in a long time. And he was so good. And he just had like six outings in a row and had like a 0.0 year, right? And he was so dominant. And it was such a, like, lightning bolt. And I remember at that time I was, you know, that's how I first got into, like, statistics. And I remember I made a Facebook post on a Royals, you know, Facebook group that was something like, Willie... <laughs> Willie Bloomquist needs, needs to pitch or needs to play more because Willie Bloomquist just brings energy, you know, like that's, that's how I was thinking at that time. Um, and then by the end of the year, I was like, Oh, you know, Zach Cranky should win the Cy Young because his FIP is only, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that was, that was kind of funny, but like, that's really the sort of the catalyst is like, I, you know, had, um, you know, paid attention. I, I grew up, you know, looking at the um, the sports section, right. And look, like, seeing the strikeout rates or not the strikeout rates, but like who was leading in the strikeout categories and, and like everything. And that's, that's what I would do like on Sunday morning, when we got the Sunday morning paper. Um, so that was, that was really the catalyst that cattle catapulted, you know, my baseball into kind of the next level. Um, and then just like a, a moment, you know, the, the wild card game, um, in 2014, um, was, such a great experience, and I, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. Being there, um, I I managed to get get tickets. Somebody, a commenter on Royals Review couldn't go and was um he's selling his tickets at face value. And I was like, hey, can I have those tickets? And I and I, you know, got to go. And it was just such a great experience. And I remember you know, James Shields throwing the first pitch, and this was 29 years after the Royals had made the playoffs, right? He, he made the first pitch, you know, even before the first pitch, there was Leska Royals. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Um, and then he threw that first pitch and it was a strike and it was the loudest I'd ever heard of the stadium ever. Um, and like, you were just kind of looked around and was like, okay, this is special. And I haven't been at any other, you know, there's, there's not really any other game unless the royals went on like another two decade streak of not being in the playoffs but that's you know 30 years of bottled up energy for for baseball and just i remember seeing you know how the city was around everybody was excited everybody was wearing blue you know people were so into it and that was just so cool and i think you know it goes to show You know, what, on Saturday, they had 37,000 fans at Kauffman Stadium for a team that was 42 games below 500. You know, if the Royals put out a product that's any good, people are going to show up because Kansas City sports fans are psychopaths in a good way. (laughs) This is true (laughs) across, you know, from current, the Chiefs, the like, Kansas City sports fans are absolutely nuts. And they will support the Royals. You know, the only reason why they're not showing up in Cardinals numbers and they don't have like that is, you know, the Royals haven't put a inter- interesting product on the field most of the time. And when they do Royals fans show up and the city transforms. And I remember reading something along the lines of during those years where it was just like, Kansas city is the baseball town that St. Louis thinks it is. Um, and you know, it was just like, Oh yeah. Um, it's just like very, very similar to what you know. You think of like Cardinals baseball, like everyone from St. Louis likes the Cardinals, and you know is, is is in that team. And that was what Kansas City was. They had been terrible for so many years, and then the the city just kind of rallied around it, um, in a way that I think was different than even the the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs being good, like you know, everybody knows that the NFL is king, but like it, it was different, you know, for the for the Royals. I think, um, and that was just really cool, and it was just an example of what Kansas city sports could be like. Um, and it's hopefully we get to that again because it was just so cool and so special. And I think the next time, by the time we get to it again, it'll be, you know, 10 years since the last time they made the playoffs. It'll, it'll be like that um, again. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. That's, that, that's going to be a, a great moment to, uh, to hear and to experience for those lucky enough. Um, listen, I've, I've shown my age enough on this podcast. I'm a, I'm a fairly young Royals fan, if you will. So like I grew up during the dark 2000 years. Um, I understood that they had a good pitcher. I didn't understand how great Zach Greinke really was. Um, and truth, truth be told, I, I didn't play baseball for all that much. Um, I, I got bullied out of Out of it about middle school age, so I was just like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna give a whole lot of energy to this." I stepped away from it for a little bit, and I just like so many other Royals fans, I got caught up in the 2013 and the 2014 and the 2015 runs. But the the moment for me that was really special was Jordano Ventura's Game Six against the san francisco giants i i liter- i remember this so vividly because i i grew up about two hours away from from kansas city so it wasn't like i've i never went to a game it wasn't like a, a possible thing to really go see a game easily um growing up pretty pretty close to <laughs> the the bottom of the of the ladder if you will um and I had just started making like my own money after high school, after graduating high school. And I hopped on, I think it was eBay at the time. And I went and like I bought your your Dono Ventura signed baseball um, like that was one of the first big purchases that I had made after high school. And I, I bought it and I, I still got it to this day. Um, just that really got me reinvigorated into baseball. But the moments after after I left Kansas are what really like solidified that, you know, going and seeing the Royals play the Orioles in Camden Yards was super special in 2015. Um, You know, experiencing that that 2015 run in very hostile territory in like the DMV Baltimore area because they were kind of vying for you know they were a competitive team that was very interesting but you know I was going through this uh military training for about a year with another guy who was from Manhattan Kansas and so it was very much like a uh, like an us against everyone in in Baltimore thing which was which was very special and I still hold that very uh very near and dear to my heart um and then just a- afterwards the I guess the connection that it seems everyone has with baseball or that anyone could have, not, not everyone, that anyone could have with baseball is always something special. Um, whether it be just in actually enjoying a game, whether it be the statistics, whether it be, you know, I've heard people that just like to go to the ballpark for the, for the ambiance. Like, they, they love that. That's, they couldn't care about what team they're watching. They just want to go out and enjoy a game um i think that aspect of it has really echoed strongly with me as i've grown up um but yeah it's i we we all have to look beyond the royals record this year um it has been it has been very very tough for most of this season but i still like i don't know i i couldn't imagine not rooting for this team or just enjoying a baseball game like it's so it's so ingrained at this point i just couldn't i can't even fathom that like taking a break from baseball anymore so guys I'd, i really do appreciate you you giving your your thoughts on that i know that was a little bit more of a deeper question than uh just looking at the transaction wire so thank you so much for that But let's go ahead and close off today's episode with some Royals review reviews. Jeremy, as usual, I would like you to start us off, please. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you a show that I haven't finished yet,
1: but it has started really well and it's getting a lot of really good reviews other places. Um, So I I have high hopes for it. Uh, Chainsaw Man, which is an anime uh, about a guy uh it's it's set in a world where there are devils uh based on things that people fear um and this this guy befriends a chainsaw devil and uh and then he with the chainsaw devil's help he fights other devils um who are more evil than the chainsaw devil which is really just a cute puppy with a chainsaw nose um and uh and then eventually he he uh he's dying after fighting one of these devils and uh, the chainsaw devil uh, tells him, Oh, Hey, uh, I'll be your heart, but you got to like go seek out your dreams. And so the chainsaw devil becomes his heart and he becomes part chainsaw. He can he there's a little rip cord sticking out of his chest and he can pull it. And then his arms and, and his head become chainsaws. It's completely bizarre as most anime is, uh, but, or, well, not most, but a lot of anime is, and uh, it's just it's it, it's a little gory sometimes, um, but it's uh, as you would expect with a, a show where a man turns into a chainsaw and does battle. Um, but it's it's also a lot of fun. It's, it's very funny, very well animated. And like they're they spared no expense. Um, uh, for those of you who know anything about anime, they have a different ending sequence and song for every episode. That's extremely expensive to uh to pull off and that's what they just decided to do just for the vibe of their show um so no expense was spared here the animation of the show is really good um and and i'm having a lot of fun and i you know i was scared because i don't like gory stuff i don't like scary stuff so i wasn't sure i was gonna like it even though i was hearing good reviews but i'm able the it's so good that i'm able to kind of move past that stuff so Hmm. um highly recommend it to anyone who who thinks that
0: they might want to give that a shot okay okay Hey, Matthew, let's go ahead and move on to you, sir. What do you have for a review this week?
2: Okay, so I haven't done this in a while. I don't remember if I have done this in a previous version, <laughs> uh, in a previous life, but I'm going to shoot. Uh, it's a book series called The Murderbot Diaries. Um, and yes, that's Murderbot. Basically, the, the premise of it is there is not quite like an like – sort of an android is, is the best way to kind of describe it, um, an android. Um, whose um, job is, whose sole job is to be like a security unit. Um, And all security units have this like governing module in their heads, they're, they're, you know, partly machine and partly, you know, human, uh, partly biological. And they have this governor module in their heads that like, forces them to do certain things. Well, um, Murderbot hacked its governor module and basically gave itself free will. And what it has decided to do with that free will is to spend as much time as physically possible um, watching soap operas. And that is until um, one uh, mission basically where this, uh, this this unit uh, gets involved with a, a research team and, and ends up like saving them from this you know evil company and gets involved in a lot of other shenanigans and along the way, um you have a you know variety of uh, you know, existential crises as it you know thinks you know because it's like it's got free will for the first time and it's figuring out you know what do i want to be who am i um and it's very funny it's very well written it's very easy to read um you know it's a sci-fi book but you know anybody can read it um you know it doesn't require a lot of you know genre knowledge or anything it's it's very you know not it's like a ya novel quite but it like reads very very easily um I love Murderbot. I'm trying to get everybody to read Murderbot. Um ev- literally every single person who I have recommended this to has read the first book and has gone, "Oh my god, this is amazing." Um uh, my wife loves Murderbot. I love Murderbot. Um it's it's wonderful. Um there are currently five novellas and one novel so the it goes, you know, the five novellas go and then the novel. Um and then there's a new novel coming out in a couple of months um that I'm absolutely beyond excited to to read. Um but yeah, The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Again, everyone I know, this is universal uh response to this of this is one of the best things I've ever read. It's so good. You have to read it. Pick it up at your local library or go to your local bookstore. The Murderbot Diaries.
0: Dang, I've I've never heard of that. That's a that's a pretty glowing review from you, Matt. I I like it. I like it. Um listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to the defense of a 2023 movie here. I I feel like my wife and I, the most recent movie that we've seen in theaters, we went and saw Haunted Mansion the weekend that it came out. We really enjoyed it. Um, I know it's not getting very good reviews right now. <laughs> as as my wife chimes in from, from the back. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna have to put the explicit tag on the podcast now. <laughs> so don't uh, don't worry about that one bit. But no, oh, it's a it, it's a really good cast. A very a very diverse diverse cast um and it's listen i know the 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 script isn't isn't perfect um some there are one or two very confusing plot holes but all in all like i didn't i didn't go into that movie wanting to you know have a have a greater understanding of of some part of life i wanted to go and i wanted to be entertained and i left the theater feeling entertained my wife is very fired up about this, guys. It it is her favorite Disney World ride. It was, <laughs> it would, it was my mother's as well. And first time that we took that, Katie went to Disney World. It was, uh, it was her favorite, and it was, it felt a lot more like the ride did than the uh, than the Eddie Murphy version, if you Eddie will. Murphy. Um. Um. It was really I I don't know I just can't see why it's getting all the hate I enjoyed it um, if you want to go pay the pay the price of a of a movie ticket nowadays I would suggest it if you want to break away from the from the Barbie Oppenheimer craze that is 2023 summer go check out Haunted Mansion it is it is worth your time well guys thank you so much for your time on the podcast tonight. Matthew, I'm I'm blanking on a man. Where where can folks follow you on Twitter at?
2: Um, excuse me, it's X and it's Lamar oh. underscore Matt.
0: Matt, no. We are uh, we are on we are on X Strike here. We are team okay, Twitter.
2: Right. <laughs> I mean it's still Twitter Twitter.com, right?
0: Exactly. Yep.
2: All right, yep, Twitter.
0: Which hold on, Matt. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. If if you had to make a new URL for x what would it be because um there's some uh, pretty interesting sites out there that have x's in their url if gotcha. you will it's
2: it's so man it's it's so dumb from like an seo perspective like you, yeah. it doesn't mean anything um that, that's a lot of seo content writing is my day job <laughs> and it just it bothers the heck out of me just as it really bothered me a few years ago when they um just suicide squad and they made the sequel the suicide squad like yep. they just clearly they did not talk to any marketing person for more than two seconds but i digress yeah lamar underscore matt
0: <laughs> all right all right hey jeremy we where can folks find you on twitter at uh, you can still find me at H-O-K-I-S, H-O-K-I-U-S alright and you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Milham Casey also please go follow the podcast on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod where it's all Royals all the time plus go check out Royals Review on Twitter on Facebook and at the dot com I think is how that was I, yeah is that is that how that works but any guys thank you so much for, for joining me tonight thank you for your time And for everyone out there listening, please go respond to the Q&A. We want to hear from you. But until next time, go Royals.